Hey, good morning. My name is Matt Murphy. I am the youth pastor here and uh, the pastor of uh, adult discipleship. Every time I practice that, I said assault discipleship. It's not that. Um, and, and if you don't know me, it's, it's great to see you. I, I'm glad you're here. I get the honor of preaching you today. If you're new to Salt Church, we're, we're super excited to have you. Um, you, you may, like one of the things we do, the way we teach here that can be different from other places is typically we like to go kind of like straight through books of the Bible. Uh, so we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount here and we'll continue into Matthew. And one of the great things about that is it allows us to kind of get the whole counsel of, of the Lord. Because um, when you kind of just pick and choose, it's easy to pick stuff that's in your wheelhouse, you know, like it might not be easy to teach from this area or there are certain passages that, like, you're never super stoked to, like, bring forward to people and preach about. Um, you, you heard this one being read. It's a, it's a rough one, right? Like, it's, it's not easy uh, on the ears, probably. Not, not a lot of people would choose it, uh, but, but this is where we are today. Uh, it's one of the scariest verses in the Bible, frankly. Um, but we're not going to skirt around or skip over these waters. We're going we're gonna to trudge through them, and I hope we can come out on the outside uh, of that by like the power of the Holy Spirit, just seeing the grace and truth and beauty evident in it. Um, but, but that's all on God. Frankly, I think this is incredibly needed um, for, for the West, the, the, the church in the West today. In the age of, I know there, there's people leaving in the church, but for a long time and even now, there's been what we'd call nominal Christianity uh, where it's just kind of like, you know, I- I'm a Christian because I was born here. Like, I'm American, so I'm a Christian. Uh, and this text would seem to speak against thoughts like that. Um, so we're going to, to deal with it and, and go into it. Uh, starting off, um, uh, we'll go into some context here. But so at the end of this uh, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has been inviting uh, his disciples that he's teaching and us reading this into th- these questions to ask ourselves through comparisons of twos. So a couple weeks ago, we, we heard um, that the, it was the like, what path will you take? Will you take the wide or narrow path? The wide path is easy. It's, it's, it's easy to travel on. Many are there and it leads ultimately to destruction. Or will you take the narrow path? It's, it's hard. It's difficult to find. Uh, it requires giving stuff up. It's not easy, but it leads to life. Which one will you take? And then what kind of person will you be, right? Will, will you be a person, specifically looking at, you know, uh, false teachers, but will you be a person who bears good fruit or bad fruit? A, a tree that's useful, that, that fulfills its purpose, or, or that is uh, ultimately cast into the fire, and then this last one that we're dealing with today, or the, the one we're dealing with today, is where are you headed? What's your ultimate destination? Not the end, because like, that's not really how it works, but, but where are you going? Because there's two destinations. There's the kingdom of heaven, um, which is life with God in the presence of Christ and, and recreated uh, a world and, and, and renewed everything and, and what you were made for and where you were designed to be, or there's outer darkness, hell, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Um, James says every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights, right? So it, it's separation from everything and anything that could be called good, and that's what we're dealing with today. But, but first, the, the context we'll go into here. Uh, 
Oh, these slides are silly. Um, okay, uh, so whatever. Uh, the, the context we're going to go into here, first we're going to skip ahead to verse 22 so we know what's going on, which in, in verse 22 Jesus says, on that day. So on that day speaks of uh, a future judgment. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.10 uh, puts it this way. Uh, Paul writes it this way, For me, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each may be repaid for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. When you die, regardless of what you believe, whether you're a Christian or not, or atheist or, or Hindu, regardless of what you believe, one day every single person who has lived on this earth will be resurrected and will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and, and be judged. And this is the day Jesus is talking about. This is what he's, he's pointing to, this future day of judgment. So we'll start off in, in verse uh, 21a here, uh, which is not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Um, the, the very first observation in that verse, right, is not everyone who says, Lord, Lord. So some of the people who say, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, right? It's, it's not like saying this, that, that is the, the bad thing. But um, th- this Lord, Lord speaks of like familiarity, recognition, honor. Um, and given the context that they're standing before the judgment seat of Christ, there's this like, like we, we're yours. We, we belong to you. Lord, Lord, it's, it's us. I've served you all my life. Like I, I know you. I belong to you. Um, and, and he's saying that, that not everybody who, who says that is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. And, and more than just like this formal uh, appeal, it's uh, fervent in spirit, right? That, like the, the double repeated, Lord, Lord, like you, you, can, you can feel the kind of um, the, the fervence behind it. Uh, and make no mistake that they're pointing to their passion. So just not, not everyone who, who passionately please or, or, or professes the name of Lord will enter the, the kingdom of heaven. These are people who profess the Lord with their lips, um, but, but their profession is hollow. There's no substance behind it. And uh, interesting note, look at verse 23. In fact, many on that day will say. So, so it's not just that there's some, you know, not all who say Lord, Lord. There's going to be many on this day of judgment, who, who say, Lord, Lord, who, who appeal to him as, you know, like someone they follow and belong to, and, and they're going to be confused, right? They're, they're not going to enter the, the kingdom of heaven. They're, they're going to be surprised because they thought they belonged to him. Uh, and these aren't like, we do ourselves a disservice when we kind of think of stuff like this, like these are the people who are like knowledgeable, you know, like these are like wolves in sheep clothing who know like they're doing the wrong thing. Like these are people who show up and, 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 and cry out to the Lord in, in this divine appeal, and they're surprised by the outcome. There's like mass confusion as they find out like they don't belong to him. You know, they're, they're not saying this is a joke. They, they get to judgment and and the outcome is surprising. And that fact alone should cause us to approach this text with like caution and and trepidation, right? Like the the fact that it's possible to show up on the day of judgment and and be confused at at the outcome. Like, I I don't know about you, but I I don't want to be surprised about, you know, the the judgment that's given to me. 
And now, uh, look, look what these people uh, say after appealing to the divinity of God, that there's, or, uh, the yeah, divinity of Jesus and, and, and that they follow him. There's this appeal to their work for and in him in verse uh, 22. Uh, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name and do many miracles in your name, right? So they appeal to, to their work. So prophecy, right? Didn't, didn't we prophesy in your name? It's not a question. It's like, were, were we wrong? We thought we did. It's like, no, there was, did, did we not prophesy in your name? We did that. And the prophecies, you know, it, it includes like teaching and, and preaching, but there's a significant like divine, you know, a, a revealing of the things hidden from God. There's, there's power at work here beyond them, you know, so it's significant. They're like, didn't we do this? And, and didn't we cast out, drive out demons in, in your name? We, we, there, there's power behind this. You know, we, we drove out demonic spirits from people. We, we turned men from evil to good. And, and didn't we do many miracles in, in your name? Again, like significant works of power that, that actually happened. Didn't, didn't we do that? And, and we did it in your name. Not only we, did we do these things, like we did this on your authority. And all this stuff that, that they're saying, it's like not necessarily or like very clearly m- with malicious intent, right? Like these are, you know, typically kind of good things that, that they're appealing to. Um, and they did it on, in Jesus' name. And then what's Jesus' reply to him? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers or in the ESV, workers of lawlessness. Those are terrifying words. They get there and call out to him, Lord, Lord, and he's saying there's no relationship here. I don't know you. I don't care what you did. You don't know me. And the reality of this is you're lawbreakers. You're workers of lawlessness. And it's not like a one time like they were in and they messed up and now they're out. It's like there's this perpetual sort of lifestyle to them. They consistently did everything but the will of God. Um, and Luke writes down in this section, specifically he records Jesus saying, uh, I think in Luke 6, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? So these people have verbally called him Lord. They've verbally kind of professed him as Lord, but they've not actually come under his lordship. Hollow words. There's no substance again. And the glaring point this text makes that that should be evident to us is that it is possible to be self-deceived. It's possible to be self-deceived regarding your profession of faith. Again, like these aren't people really aware, like they get there and they're confused. They're not knowingly doing wrong things. They're surprised. They get face to face with Jesus and are taken aback. They didn't see it coming. And so what we have to ask ourselves is where did it go wrong? Like what happened for them to be confused here? Like what happened? And and I'd say like there's a, there's a, 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 we, we can make some assumptions if we, we look at what it is they appeal to and what they say. So look at what they say. Prophecy, driving out of demons, miracles or, or mighty works in the ESV. It, clearly, those are like significant signs of power. But my first thought here is, is like, 
doesn't this seem kind of self-centered, right? Like it's, it's, it's appealing to, to, you know, my position in the kingdom of heaven by my works. Like, hey, I, I, I did this in your name. You know, like I did all this work in your name. You, you need me. You need us. We, we did this. Look how valuable we were to you, right? And, and it, it also like it reminds me of when there's egregious sin pointed out in like ministers' lives um, where like there, there's this propensity to ignore or downplay it. Um, when, it, when it's like really serious by, by saying like, look at all the good they've done, you know, look at all the people that have been saved. And the reality is like, the, you know, the ends don't justify the means. So your, your results, like what you do, don't make you righteous. They, they don't equal your, your righteousness. They don't justify you before God. If your ministry, if your life blesses tons of people and, and leads a bunch of people to salvation, it doesn't matter anymore regarding your status before God um, if privately you live a life of disobedience, if you make your unbelief of him evidenced in, in your heart. Um, and it, like, you know, God, God doesn't need you to, to spread the kingdom, to do his work. So there's no appeal there by like, look at all this good I've done. And the next thought is just being simply religious doesn't make you righteous. Like these signs they talk about, you know, like they're, you know, like prophecy and driving out demons and like, they're like varsity level Christian stuff, right? Like, I don't know about you, but like, I'm not doing that too much. Uh, and and it applies down. Like, so you, you can go to church all day. You can go like twice a day, Sunday nights. You can go on Wednesday. You can serve in every ministry. Uh, you can give up tons of money and, and still show up and be surprised when Jesus says, I, I never knew you. Depart from me. And Paul talks about how worthless these works can be uh, alone, just, just on their own, uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 3, because this is about like the, the heart behind it and behind these works. If I speak human or angelic tongues, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of God, uh, the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. And if I give away all my possessions, and if I give over my body in order to boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. The reality in these people is there's a severe deficiency in their life. They have a fundamental misunderstanding of the gospel, like they have not heard and accepted it. They have no love for God and no brotherly love for one another. Like these works they're doing are, are all out of selfishness because that's what they appeal to, their, their status because of their works. They're relying on their works. And so we, we have to go to another point. If, if works don't make us righteous and, and profession alone doesn't make us righteous, doesn't make us like uh, uh, members of the kingdom of heaven, then the question obviously is like, well, what does? How can I enter the kingdom of heaven? And this is where like you got to focus up because I, I, it's a tightrope that we have to walk. And, and I don't want you walking away thinking the wrong thing. Because profession alone doesn't make you righteous if there's no reality to, to back it up. Peter calls people like this who, who kind of hear the gospel and, and respond to it, but there's no life change in them to, to like dogs who return to their own vomit. 
and a washed pig that goes back to wallow in the mud. So the, the reality is what we have to do is, is in that second part of verse 21, you know, so not many will enter, the, not all who say, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Which that initially sounds like also works, right? The only one who does the will, like, well, that sounds like works. So works do get me there, which is, again, like we have to, we have to piece this out. So like what's the, the will of the Father? What's, what's the will? Um, in, in John chapter 8, Jesus has these people who he's just fed a, a bunch of food to in the wilderness. They, they come looking for him again and find him, and he's like, hey, you guys are looking for me because you're hungry. Um, don't work for food that perishes, but work for the food that lasts eternally, talking about himself as, bread, uh, as the bread of life. And their response is like, how can we do the works of, of God? And, and they say, Jesus says, this is the work of God that you believe in the one he has sent. So the, the, the work, the, the will of God, it's, it's in everything Jesus taught. It's in the, the Sermon on the Mount, right? It's the will of the Father that you live like this, this, this whole thing we've been going through that we like don't add up to, right? It's the will of the Father that you, you don't be anxious, that you um, bless your enemies, that you pray for those who persecute you, that you don't even like be angry with your brother in your heart because that's murder, and not just like don't commit adultery, that you don't lust in your heart because that is adultery. That you tell the truth always, that you seek the kingdom. And, and I, I don't know about you, but we've been sitting through this Sermon on the Mount, and one of the evident things is like, oh, that's the will of the Father, that, that I follow Jesus' teaching, that I live like that? Like, Matt, I can't do that. Like, I can't do that. Do you know, like, the, the, I can't even be angry with my brother in my heart. Do you know? Like, how often that happens? I can't live up to that. And if that's what you're saying, yes, you're right. You're getting it. You're right there. We should look at the life and and teaching of Jesus and nearly collapse in the face of our inadequacy and in our uh, unfitness and our selfishness, like in our incapability to be that type of person. That's what Jesus wants. Psalms 51.17 says, The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. You will not despise a broken and humbled heart. You won't understand or respond or accept the gospel until you like really get the state of your heart. Just the darkness that lives there, the propensity for evil and, and, and just like how unholy we are in the face of a totally holy and righteous God. And, and so it like leads us to, to these, uh, the Beatitudes Pastor Michael reminded us of last week. You know, blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the, the humble, the merciful, right? Like when you, when you understand your heart, you, you become that person. And those are the people that recognize their inadequacy and they fall daily on their need of a savior, to, to, to fulfill that for them. Like on our own, we can't do the will of God. We are selfish, ridiculous people. And, and so, um, uh, okay, cool. I skipped something. Uh, so J- John, um, yeah, n- like note the difference here, right? The, the will of the Father. When, when Jesus is talking about that the will of the Father is that you believe the one he sent. Right? Note the difference here but between uh, the, the people who are appealing to Jesus and, and he says he doesn't know them. 
So those who are going to be surprised say, look at all this work I did. Look at all the things I did for you. Those who actually belong, those who are members of the kingdom of heaven, won't be saying, look at my work. If, if they were asked by God and if they could somehow answer, you know, and he says, like, by what right do you have to be here? The answer would be on my own, nothing, but only through the life and, and work and death and resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ, on my part, do, do I hold any claim to this? Do I have any inheritance here? So you want to be empowered to do God's will, Believe in the one he sent. Believe in Christ who came in the form of a man to die on the cross in your place. And through that belief, you will be filled with the Holy Spirit who empowers you to, to be obedient and to do the will of the Father. First Peter says, uh, in First Peter chapter 1, he writes, You were chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient and to be sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ. Right? It's, it's only through that, only through the sanctifying of the Spirit that, that we have, and only through Christ's blood uh, covering us and making us righteous that, that we can do anything here. There's no room here for legalism or license. Legalism w- would be work. It's, it's like, hey, I've done all these right things. Like, I've worked so hard. I've given up all this time. I come when I'm supposed to. I sing the songs, and, and, and I'm good. And license would be like, oh, cool, Jesus did everything for me, so I'm just going to do like whatever I want and uh, ignore everything he ever said, right? There's no room. The evidence that you belong to the kingdom is changed life. It's changed life. And so you want to like get practical about this. And and, and I'll I'll give us some questions for for practicality's sake here. Um, But first, like we are formed by the things we desire. Our actions, the majority of the actions we make in this world are what we would call precognitive. That means we do them without thinking. And it's God's will that even those precognitive actions, uh, you, you're, you're holy. The, the ones you do without thinking. And all those precognitive actions you do out of your desire for like the good life, like what you love the most. That's what, where you're going to make those choices. Um, and our reactions, you know, our precognitive actions, those like just who we are as a person only becomes holy when the thing we want, love, cherish, and desire most is God, when we want him more than anything. Because you weren't just saved to be saved. You were saved into something. You were saved into a kingdom. You were saved to be a type of person, to become more Christ-like. So you want assurance. You want to know that, that you belong to the kingdom of God because you should want to know that more than anything. Ask yourself these questions. The, the first one is, do you seek God? Do, do you seek him? Do, do, you, do you pray Him? To pray to him? Do, do you seek his word? Not like read it every day, but, but is, is there a desire there? Is there a desire to know him? Is there a need for him? Is, is there an understanding that he is sovereign in control of everything and, and you need him more than anything? Is he the first thing you, you go to when you need something, when, when you're going through misery? Is he the first one you praise when, when your life is going great? Do, do you seek God? The other question is, is, do you want to obey? Not are you perfect, 
Not, not do you get it right all the time or, or do everything amazing, but is there a desire there to be obedient? Or, or do you just feel chained down by God? Like, I, I, you know, I, I want to do all these things, but like I'm not going to do them because of this. Like there's no reward for, for living a life of 80 years just like not doing a bunch of stuff you want to do. Those desires need to be changed. And there's space there, right? There's space there for struggle um, because it's a fight. There's space for growth, for becoming more Christ-like. You you hold on to that and you press into that and understand you are justified and, and progressively sanctified. Like it takes time, but is the desire there at all to be holy? And then the other question is, are you confident in your works? Or are you confident in Jesus' works? Is it because of like all the stuff you do or how often you attend? Or, or is your only confidence in, in, in who um, Jesus is? Uh, in, in Luke um, chapter 6, I think, after Jesus sends out the 72 disciples and, and they go um, and announce the, kingdom, the, the coming of the kingdom and they're casting out demons and they come and they're like, oh my goodness, like we had power over these demons and like we did this. And, and Jesus responds to him like, hey, don't, you know, be like rejoice that you've got power of these spirits. Rejoice that your name is recorded in the book of heaven, right? Is, are you confident in Jesus' works? Your answers to those questions will give you some guidelines, give you some thoughts uh, to think about that because I can't answer if you belong or not. Like Jesus is your judge. Um, but if, if your, que- your answer to those questions is no, right? Like you need to repent, you need to repent. You need to say, God, I, like, I, I've been, I, I don't care. Like, I, I've, I've been, I, I don't care about this stuff. I, this desire isn't there. I don't see it there. And, and, like, it's not even I want to be obedient. I don't really want to be obedient. And if you recognize that, you've got you, you to gotta pray. You've got to trust that God will flee with the Holy Spirit. And you've got to pray. I, like, I want to want to be obedient. Like, that's where I want to start. And, and if your answer to that is yes, you know, maybe... Maybe, you know, it's like maybe you have such a hard time being obedient. Maybe it feels like a struggle every day and you're losing every day, but you want to. You need to be empowered by that. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last times, right? You you, you have God's Holy Spirit um, empowering you to do that. Lean into that. And I'll, I'll leave you with this. Uh, just kind of where my feelings are, how I see this. When, when I die and, and when I stand before Jesus, I, I, I don't want to be surprised. I want to hear him call my name. I want to hear him say, Matt, in a voice that I've never heard audibly, but tugs at every fiber of my being, that this is the still, small voice that I have heard and followed and trusted and placed all my faith in. And I want him to smile and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I want that more than anything. I hope I want that more than anything. I want you to want that more than anything. And we only get there and through the power of the Holy Spirit, right? It's, it's only up uh, to, to, to God, and, and we need to press in and lean into that and trust him and, and, and pray for it. Um, would you pray with me? Dear God, I, I thank you for today. I thank you for just who you are um, and your faithfulness to us. 
Lord, I, I pray that you would help us just see difficult passages like this and take stock of our life um, and, and where we are and, and if we trust in you, Lord, and, and that you would let us either repent of the areas we don't or, or press into where we do and, and that you would just um, give us strength and encouragement. Help us be a church that loves you more than anything, wants to follow you more than anything. Help us be people who want to love and be obedient to you more than anything, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.